0: Hi, I'm Gabriel Hesch. I am host of the Breaking Math podcast. Together with Alex Alanese, we've created a brand new show called the Turing Rabbit Holes podcast to discuss points of view of physicists and mathematicians, such as Alan Turing, who is made famous or who was made famous for building computers that cracked the Nazi Enigma code. We're going to talk about... Alan Turing and other physicists and mathematicians and talk about what they might think about today's world. Uh, And sometimes on this show, we will do deep dives into math and physics and machine learning and artificial intelligence. We are very, very excited about this opportunity. Now, before I go further, I want to tell you a little bit about myself and why am I part of this math and science show. First of all, I am a former middle school math and science teacher. I am currently an electrical engineer. I got my MS, my um, Master's of Science in Electrical Engineering. And I'm also currently, as I said earlier, uh, one of the co-hosts of the Breaking Math podcast. It is currently ranked number one in the US and Britain on Apple Podcasts for the category of math podcast. Now, this show's a little different. This is my first time doing a YouTube show, so I'm very excited. On the Breaking Math podcast, I want to mention my co-host is the lovely Sophia Baca, who is brilliant, and we will have her on this show quite often as well. She's uh, quite excited um, about this about this sh- show as well. Also, uh, Alex, I'll let you uh, go and talk about yourself and your experience and why you are excited to do a science and math po- podcast.
1: Um, Hi, I'm Alex. um, My background is i I, starting with a master's. I have a master's of science in uh, mathematics, which was I did non-thesis, which means I did all coursework. Half of it was applied, half of it was uh, pure, so that I could get my PhD in math. Um, I ended up wanting to do something a little more practical than than push symbols around, so I ended up getting a, a PhD in particle physics from the University of Houston back in 2000. I've had some interesting experiences. They're all kind of related. I ended up on a trading floor trading weather derivatives and other energy-based derivatives, learning stochastic calculus, which is adding to my understanding of statistical physics, which then uh, was quite useful when I ended up at Los Alamos as a as a nuclear weapons physicist. Uh, before that, I was a, a postdoc at Los Alamos, and, and I've, I worked on what our the United States calls stockpile stewardship, which is the thing that the three national nuclear laboratories do. To make sure that our nuclear weapons, our stockpile, uh, work, and so I worked at a, a giant a dual X-ray facility, looking at implosions and, and seeing how good we can measure uh, things, and then then the, the guys with the biggest computers on earth were doing, trying to match that to see if physics code could, could match that, and I ended up in the in the physics division uh, uh, facility over there uh, designing. Um, what I'm else gonna, have I done?
0: I'm going to brag on you real quick. Sure. Now, in a minute here, if this is our first episode. In a little while, we're going to tell you exactly what will be on the Touring Rabbit Holes podcast, why you should watch us, what makes us different from other math and science podcasts. Before I do that, though, I want to say, in addition to the work that you've done in nuclear stockpile stewardship and all the other science and en- engineering fields, you've also written some fiction books as well, some science fiction books, which we will do some episodes on that are very, very cool, in fact, I want to tell us just a little little bit about your inspiration in your science fiction books? Very briefly,
1: um, I had
0: the the,
1: the notion back in 04 that history could repeat itself, and there was nothing that made America special, and uh, that what happened to Germany in the 30s could possibly happen to the United States, and uh, I'll I'll defer discussion of that to later, but I would would argue that we are, in many ways, trying to repeat history in in that sense. So, and I I try to be as... Historically accurate and scientifically accurate when I get into the future parts. Yeah. However, what I'm most proud of is my step-by-step notes. Yeah. I have written step-by-step notes uh, for your bachelor's, your master's, your PhD in math or physics t- because most, the vast majority of people who get master's or physics degrees walk out with a lot of question marks. I have answered all those questions. I've gone back, say, in quantum mechanics to 1834 and followed everything that led to today's quantum physics. And all these step-by-step notes are available online.
0: Yeah, that's actually really, really cool. What I find uh, incredible is Alex has shown me this. He has um, uh, tons and tons of papers. I think uh, some of them are about 45 pages. I think the longer ones are how long? they're here. Approaching 200 pages. Yeah. But what I like is that this, this is, is specifically for students who know the answers to the textbook questions in a physics or science class, but they don't know the, the wider applications or they don't know, you know other ways of looking at the big picture. So that's what really excites me about this podcast in general is all of Alex's papers that he's done that are meant for physics students or people just who are curious about them. All of those papers are available for you. You can look in the video Description right now, and you will see some links to some Google Drives or some direct links. These are also available on our Patreon page as well. We did make a Touring Rabbit Holes uh, Patreon page for those who want to support us, um, and all of Alex's papers are on there. and that, That's that's really cool. Now you don't only have papers that are about studying physics and about putting the big picture together. What what are some of the other other papers that, that you've published?
1: So I've gotten into artificial intelligence, say over five, six years, and I've gotten in the deep end of it. I, I like to read the papers from Google and, and see if I can duplicate the work myself. Um, I've gotten very much into uh, applications of artificial intelligence in strategic conflict and hacking elections and how, how uh, other countries' uh, dictatorships might hack democracies and how democracies may protect themselves using machine learning and using artificial intelligence or for the good and the bad. I mean, Machiavelli has a bad reputation, but he, he painted... If you want to do A, here's how you do it, and, and, and it's black and white. And, and in that sense, I wrote Machiavellian papers on, on machine learning and artificial intelligence, and I what what's threatening, what, what might be threatening us in the future.
0: That's a really exciting question. So it's not just the math and science, but we're talking about human behavior, we're talking about defense strategies and things like that. So that's that's really really exciting. Um, what what I'm also really excited to, to uh, talk about on, the, on this on this episode are some of my specific interests and where they overlap with Alex's interest, and hopefully the kind of chemistry that that will will create in uh, in order to make a great podcast and really to generate some great questions. Um, I say this later in our episode outline, but please leave us questions and comments in the YouTube videos about the content, and it'll it'll help us to explore these issues even deeper. Um, So what I've prepared for this entry episode is... um, before we go into some of the papers that Alex has written, I had both Alex and I take a couple of our favorite books in science and prepare uh, a little talk about them and why why they're meaningful for us for this for this episode. This is a little bit like, um, what's the show, uh, Reading Rainbow with LeVar Burton. I used to watch him all the time on PBS when I was very little. He had a fabulous show where he would introduce his audience to uh, fiction. Well, this segment of the podcast is a little bit similar, but it is nonfiction. It is specifically science and math books, and it's more for adults. So hopefully that is a good analogy with all with all respects toward reading Rainbow. Okay, I have four books that I brought, and it looks like you also brought four books here. So um, I think I'll go ahead and start with mine here. Uh, The first book—oh, by the way, these four books have a common theme here. So let's see if we can talk about—or let's see if you can catch what the theme is before I tell you. The first book that I brought is actually a New Scientist Instant Expert book. you have any opinions on the idea of an instant expert, Alex? Not possible. (laughs) Okay, okay. Yes, it is not possible. But what New Scientist has done is— They are a a British science journal for the layman, kind of like popular science or scientific American. Uh, I'm a big fan of theirs. They, they spent a long time interviewing experts in certain fields and they put together a book specifically for the layman. Now this particular book is called how your brain works. This talks about brain chemistry. Um, This talks about uh, neural circuitry. This talks about um, how your brain can fool itself. Uh, It also talks about chemicals and how your emotions work. And uh, The reason why this this is especially an interesting topic for me is uh, my family uh, has some mental illnesses throughout that have forced me to really dive into the Literature on what causes mental illnesses and how they're treated. Um, Ones that that are especially interesting to me are schizophrenia or or schizoaffective disorder, but also things like bipolar disorder. I'm also fascinated by things like Alzheimer's and what are some ideas to treat them. All of these things deal with the human conscious experience. And for that reason, I'm very curious about how the brain works. So I rely heavily on this. And even though, you know, this won't make me an expert per se, this does provide citations for all of their information. And I can certainly continue on my journey and know where to start. So big influence right here. Okay. Now the next book that I want to talk about is a Pulitzer prize winning book that uh, was published in the late seventies and probably is the most profound book I have ever read. This one is called Godel, Escher, Bach. This is a huge influence on my thinking right now. If I were to sum up this book briefly, I, I keep trying to face, face the mic. I know every time I turn my head, it messes with the audio. Apologies. Uh, if I were to sum up this book, uh, I, I think um, the author, who w- was uh, a, a student of particle physics at the time, I believe he was working on his PhD. By the way, Alex is also a particle physicist. Yay. Uh, he, he tried to, to think about... Uh, uh, human consciousness and how to describe it mathematically uh, with ideas such as recursion, as well as something called Godel's incompleteness theorem, as well as self-reference. It is a brilliant tome. Now, what I also like is that uh, the author, Douglas Hofstadter, uh, part of what influenced him in his thinking was thinking about his little sister who actually had um, something wrong with her brain in that she could not understand spoken language. Um, and, you know, it got, it got uh, Douglas Hofstadter thinking about uh, language itself and how the brain processes language and, 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 and meaning. And he wrote down all of his ideas w- w- with his mathematics, um, w- with his math background. Before I go any further, I thought I'd go ahead and uh, give you the floor, Alex, so you can say your piece about this book. Yeah, I, I
1: discovered it because I was interested in understanding Godel's Incompleteness Theorem, which we'll discuss later in one in the, an episode or episodes on death of mathematics. And the idea that there are mathematical systems that are incomplete. Uh, There are theorems within them that you don't know if it's going to take an infinite amount of time to prove them mechanically. And so that's why I picked up that book. And I, I actually went read his later book, Le Tombo de Marot, which is a uh, book on language translation. Which I need is... to read
0: that one. I'm obsessed with language. I should have said that as well. In my Breaking Math podcast, I have like three episodes that are all about human language and understanding it, and you know, like, like um, language and entropy and uh, language and Shannon's information theory and stuff like that. So
1: Absolutely. He was very much interested. He, he had the notion that true ability to translate between any two uh, language pairs required human-level intelligence, and his whole book kind of argues that, but yeah. Maybe he was a little bit off because I think Google's doing a pretty good job and, and some of the other translation services are doing a pretty good job.
0: Yeah, so he can actually be wrong about this. And what's mm-hmm. cool is that all of these ideas from these brilliant thinkers that we're presenting, well, they can all be criticized. And, you know, as time passes and we learn more about our intelligence and machine intelligence, you know, they, they are certain, certainly open to be criticized. So that's a, that's pretty cool. Ready for my book number three? This is an interesting one. Dun, dun, dun. Another new scientist instant expert machines that think. I am very thankful for new scientists who, who for the um, writers of the of the instant expert series, because they put a lot of effort into talking to the experts. Uh, um, About these topics. Now, this is a primer on artificial intelligence and neural networks. Now, notice how the first book I mentioned was about the human brain, you know, about chemistry and neurons and information processing and how the brain processes uh, our our senses. The second book is an attempt at describing the phenomenon of consciousness from a mathematical standpoint. The third book, of course, is how machines are starting to act more, more like the human brain. They are not there yet, but they're more like it. I kind of feel like with with artificial intelligence. And, and, and again, nothing we have is anything like our brain. There's nothing to our knowledge that is self-aware. Is it fair to say artificial intelligence right now is kind of like a complicated lookup table? Artificial intelligence is
1: many different approaches. So the closest to, to human brain is trying to imitate biology. And then people look at, they take slices of the brain. They figure out statistically how many dendrites and how they're distributed. And I think people that are trying to make neuromorphic chips that way, maybe you can make a silicon-based AI that way, just basically imitating us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Software-based, algorithmic-based, um, we're nowhere near that yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if you think about driving a car, I can probably spend 30 seconds and show you that it's no big deal. You literally say you put a camera on a car in the middle of a road, and if you drift to the left, you, in, in post-process, you put an arrow that says... Proportional could go to the center if you start drifting that way you put an arrow that way say so go to that go to that way And then you have a car that drives. It's like it, it looks it might It might it, it looks like it's intelligent. It's behaving intelligently, but yeah. it is not intelligent And yeah. so we That's, have to worry we have to we're, we're, we're in the intelligent behavior age yeah. Not intelligence yet.
0: And what fascinates me is this this is not meant to scare any of our viewers I want to offer you a criticism of artificial intelligence and neural networks. We know that if you make something that computes things like, say, an abacus, nobody that I know of would describe an abacus as intelligent, at least in the way we commonly think of it. If you add some more machinery and complexity to an abacus, like something like a 1700s Babbage engine, uh, for those of you who don't know, if you haven't looked it up, uh, the Babbage engine was a rudimentary uh, calculator that involved um, uh, cranks. It's kind of a, uh, like, a, like a steam-powered, like a steampunk attempt at a calculator. It was never actually made, but it was designed. Anyways, all that to say, it's still just machinery. So, so as you add more complex machinery and more algorithms, uh, does that at all ever mean that something is intelligent? Well, it's hard for me to say yes to that question at the same time, what are we, if not a combination of machinery and neural circuitry and algorithms? That's a great question. That's a great question. Oh, so. I, yeah, that's a,
1: that's a very good point. I mean, yeah, we are quantum mechanical devices yep. that compute. My approach is one of entropy reduction, and I was thinking, if you say we could go into a, a museum and have a, a hologram of Einstein, and how would we talk to him? And and how do, how does it, how does one make a, an avatar that's smart? And and, and chatbots are, are they're pseudo-smart. You you might grab, say, the glossary of a big science encyclopedia, and you'll load that as a text file. And what machine learning for, for natural language does is it allows you to type in, you know, I'm interested in binary stars, and it goes and digs up things on binary stars, and you think, oh, my, this, this is an intelligent thing. And you might have a foreigner typing. You might have a child typing. You might have different people typing. And, and it's pretty good at doing that. So you think there's an intelligence there. But what it's really doing is it's taking the... Twenty thousand words that are in the glossary, and literally making a vector space of them, so that the word star is the seventh entry, the word binary is the one hundred eighth entry, and when you type, it vectorizes your sentence against the vector space of sentences, and it goes dot product dot product dot product. oh, that's the one.
0: Yeah. So in short, I mean, really, it's it's if, if it's just it's just a machine. It's still just a machine, and I want that to be uh, you know a, a driving critical. Uh, you know, a, a way of criticizing the the fear of artificial intelligence. That's not saying it can't happen. The assumption is that, the assumption, if you go under the belief that we are mechanical beings ourselves, then it theoretically is possible. But uh, So still. what I wanted
1: to add to that is, yeah. if you just put that text file in, you have a gigantic entropy. There's no connection between the sentences. So what I've been doing is chopping it up into smaller text files, and then I put what I put called probabilistic DNA if I said this, then I might say that as an expert. Oh, and by the way, I might jump to this file that's related. Oh, if you're interested in binary stars, are you interested in binary stars like other are black holes that, that collide and then we can detect them with gravitational wave uh, detect uh, telescopes? And so looking at that, we have graphed ourselves. We have, Wikipedia is the graph of, of us. That's just the graph. What are the rules? How do the, how do the, how do graphs evolve? How do countries evolve? How do people evolve? I, I think once we get to, to do that and we use entropy reduction methods, algebraic topology, um, we will start to see scary, possibly not conscious, but 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 scary uh, AI.
0: Yeah, yeah. And actually, before we began recording this episode, I was talking to Alex about a, a researcher that I follow on Twitter. Um, Elizier Yudkowsky, actually, he is the author of the um, of a fan fiction version of Harry Potter called Harry Potter and the Methods of Rationality. And if I mispronounced his name, my apologies. Actually, I'm going to look it up while I'm here, make sure I get the name pronunciation correctly. Sometimes I read things so fast that I don't take the time to read it out loud in my head here. But um, Elisier, uh let me, okay, Elysier Yud, oh, here we go. Yeah, I think I think I I, I heard it right. Elizier Yudkowski. his middle name is Shlomo, actually. Um, so he has this idea of friendly artificial intelligence. Uh, he's not afraid of artificial intelligence. He believes it will be benevolent. Well, I, there's a lot more to it, and I wanna I wanna you know be fair to his opinions. And Alex does not share that opinion. So I think an interesting possible episode would be, oh, uh, you know. W- you know, like is artificial intelligence eventually something that we should be afraid? Why or why not? And we, we will lo- we will look at papers by Yudkowsky as well as. Uh, you know. I, I think it's too
1: easy for nation states to try to use machine learning and artificial intelligence to hack each other, to, to hack each other politically, to, mm-hmm. devo- to be divisive, etc. Yeah. Certainly, the Department of Defense is looking at autonomous weapons, and so that's not very friendly to me. It doesn't, no. That doesn't sound. <laughs> Like you'd want to shake hands with some of these toys.
0: Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So there's a lot to say on those topics. So hopefully this will sell you on why you should subscribe to this podcast right now. That's my goal. You know, uh, we want to have really great conversations about the deep questions. And of course, so far we have how the human brain works, and then we have machines that think and, and how are they similar and different. It's kind of like we're approaching consciousness like through the method of exhaustion that Archimedes used to approximate Pi, where you get closer and closer and closer. Um, now, I have one more book, actually. This last book is not specifically about the human mind. It is not about artificial intelligence at all. This book is actually the book that inspired me to make a podcast in the first place. This book is called... A quantum story: A history in forty moments by Jim Baggett. Fabulous, fabulous book. I actually talked about this book as um, it, it's a thick, thick read. Uh, how many pages is it now? It's four hundred, a lot more than that. It's oh gosh, your out. Your notes are all over this page, Alex. Don't you love it when you pick up a you know a, a friend's book and they're filled with notes? Alex's is filled with notes and diagrams. I hope you don't mind me showing showing uh, Please that off. This book essentially uh, is a history of quantum mechanics starting with Max Planck and his discovery of what is now known as the Planck length, which ushered in quantum mechanics. It then gets into fierce... Fierce debates between Albert Einstein and Niels Bohr about the nature of quantum mechanics, and you know, is reality something that is fixed or or does it change when you observe it? It you know, th- and that's only in the first third of the book. It then gets into Richard Feynman and Feynman diagrams and the Standard Model of physics. Uh, it goes all the way through, all the way through. I think it ends out uh, talking about um, some ideas both in string theory and theories that compete with string theory, such as uh, quantum loop gravity. It's a thick read and i actually introduced this as the texas steak challenge you know because i know there's there's restaurants not only in texas i just you know use that name there's many um restaurants where there's a steak challenge where you have to eat the whole thing and if you eat the whole thing in a certain amount of time the meal is free this is kind of like it if you can read this whole thing in, i don't know what would you say a fair time is a month i mean it depends on your background yeah
1: yeah, right you say a month
0: okay a month yeah. So, so I want to talk to the author, Jim Baggett, and say I talk about your book as the Texas or as the, the physics reading steak challenge. How's that? Those are my four books. Those are the four that I have. That's all I have to say about those issues. In this podcast, we'll be talking about ideas. So keep that from book there. Um, yes.
1: Okay. We were, were, our previous employer was the Air Force Nuclear Weapons Center. That's where we met. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, we had these kinds of chats that we're, we're, we're talking about right now. And he asked me to read this book, and I was uh, dismissive because I have studied the hell out of history of physics and math. And I have to say I learned. Um, it was very interesting to see the, the the debate between Einstein and Bohr that runs through a large chunk of the book on, you know, what is quantum mechanics that we need to replace it with something else because of the spookiness of it, right, because of teleportation, the Einstein-Podolsky-Rosen paradox. So I stand uh, corrected. It, it's, a, it's a fantastic book book to read
0: I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad to hear that that makes me feel good that makes me feel good and not everything I read is deep I read all kinds of simple you know I don't want to judge a person by the complex books that they read or whatever this is a complex book it is you know it's very complex but it's a wonderful read oh my gosh without further ado I'm gonna I, I want to hear Alex about what books you brought to talk so about. so
1: my relation with books is the following I think when I moved from Los Alamos to Albuquerque to come work for the Air Force I probably threw away f- or 4,000 pounds of books. I'm a minimalist. I have a library back there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to get to the minimalist representation of physics and mathematics. And, and, and later on, we'll get into how fiber bundles wrap up general relativity and, and, and standard model and let us explore potential universes in a very concise way. Um, this is a book I ran into when I was in grad school. There's, it was in a different edition. This is in second edition. It's Quantum Field Theory by Ryder, and what I really like about it are the first two chapters. They're, skip chapter one, go to two and three. It shows how we got to the standard model. Uh, Lagrange, um, uh, excuse me, Paul Maurice Dirac uh, derives an equation for electrons that was relativistic and quantum mechanical, and. He- if you have a special relativity equation, you should be able to transform it into Lorentz transforms, which are the transforms uh, of special relativity as opposed to Galilean in classical mechanics. And he got crap out of it. He got his equation back in some crap. So he starts wiggling around, ter- putting in terms, and eventually, you know, putting in terms, putting in terms, transforming, and when he finished, and it's what he started on the left equals what, started out, what, what ends up on the right was Maxwell's equations. He had to have Maxwell's equations for a relativistic theory of electrons. Uh, quantum mechanics is, uses the complex numbers, and if you, if you think about the complex numbers, you, the number one is a magnitude, is a length. So everything along a unit circle has, has length one, but, but if I don't tell you the angle, I, you don't really know. So wave functions are complex. Measurements in physics are the, are, are the magnitude, is the wave times its complex conjugate, and, and, and square root, and you get the measurement. So the, 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 the group of the circle is the group of electrodynamics, U1 group theory. So people went to the next group theory, and they developed an equation uh, uh, for the, the, the weak force. And it has SU2 as that group as opposed to U1, and it has three parameters. And those are the the three particles of the the, uh, weak nuclear force. Then they went up to SU3, a, a deeper, higher dimensional group corresponding to a higher dimensional hypersphere, and they were able to identify the eight gluons that way. And so there's this idea that we have this carte blanche. We'll look at SU5, which is a bigger theory, and it says that protons should decay, and we go and put protons in, in in a swimming pool because that protons water and we look for decays they don't happen so we throw away su5 and we go on to other groups the converse of that book is is this book which is not an easy read and i battle it for years um i i've i have written a step-by-step set of notes online that will teach you the uh the homology theory the homotopy theory the cohomology theory to get you to, 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 to read, to get to chapter seven in this book, which finally shows that all theories uh, from general relativity, where the group is Lorentz transformations versus particle physics, where the groups are symmetry groups, um, can be compactified in algebraic topology of fiber bundles. And so th- th- these are my, f- this, this and, and supposedly this book right here by Nakahara are the, I hated these books. <laughs> I've battled them for years and years, and and, and finally, you know, I started to get them to make the the, the breakthroughs. I I found that several physicists wrote, a couple of them wrote a paper on how to read the the book by, I'm sorry, I don't think I identified the authors, uh, Nash and Sen, uh, Topology uh, topology and Geometry for Physicists. There's a paper out there that helps you read this. Well, having written the step-by-step notes for this book, that paper actually helps, too, but I'm going to write a paper for that paper.
0: <laughs> Sorry, write a paper for the paper, and I'm going to write a paper for the paper for the paper. No,
1: because <laughs> it's 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 too abbreviated. They use mechan machine, machinery that they don't elaborate on. So at some point this year, I will have yeah. this completed. Right now, it's pretty decent.
0: Here, here's what I love. On this podcast, just... Uh, Real quick, what what I love about this is that I have these four books and I'm saying, yes, you need to read it. And then Alex's four books, you know, he's like, don't read these, these are monsters. <laughs> oh my goodness. But what's amazing is that following those books, yeah, a- Alex wrote a paper so you can read his, I mean, I'm not trying to say don't go out and buy that book, but you, you have a summary, you know, a, a lot of those books have influenced your papers that our audience can read right now.
1: Literally, if you've had maybe a semester calculus, but preferably uh, an undergrad in math or physics, I build it step by step. Okay. So there's no mystery. There's no oh, what? Where did he pull this from? None of that. Yeah. And and, and you have if you read that, you'll have a good understanding of this. You won't have a perfect understanding of chapter seven. Yeah. The paper that I found by the two physicists on it helps. Okay. So I'm going to make it perfect.
0: Yeah. Nice. I wonder if they if they want to be on our podcast ever. We should ask them. You know, it never hurt. It never hurt, hurts to ask. And then wait a minute. You have a you have a uh, book there as well. If I'm if I'm seeing it correctly, a book on Euler. Is that right? Well, and, and it, it is related to everything we've been talking about. All Euler's
1: right. gem, he discovered a formula which lets you tell the difference between a, a, a donut and a, and, a, and, a, and a cup of coffee. Say a cup of coffee, you can deform it into a sphere. I've
0: always wanted to know, how do you tell the difference?
1: Vertices <laughs> minus edges plus faces equals two for a sphere. So if you, if you think about a clay tetrahedron solid, yep, yep. you can rearrange it into a ball. But if you, if you rearrange it back into a tetrahedron, you count the vertices, the edges, the faces, you V minus E plus F, you get mm-hmm. two. If you put a hole in oh. it, a donut and then you, you 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 pixelate it say you you turn it into uh, having faces and edges yeah. and vertices and you do that formula what however many vertices and edges you want, the simplest, the as complicated as you want, and you do that formula, you'll get zero. Okay. So one is zero and the other one is two. Um, that is a deep result coming from homology and homotopy theory. That's the foundation to fiber bundle theory. But this book is actually for the, for, for the general readers, and it shows you combinatorial proof. Everyone thinks of math as calculus on a board. Yeah. There's algebra, as in group theories, there's geomet- you know, geometrical methods, there's combinatorial mathematics. Which? And that's one of the things I'd like to, is to discuss is the other ty- types of math that, that people generally don't think
0: about. If you're talking about that, suddenly I'm wondering if for our, our marketing, for our merchandise, can we do like a, a geometry and topology coloring book? Sure. I'd like that. <laughs> How many
1: colors do you need to not have... Four color theorem. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'd be interested in a quantum physics coloring book. I really would be. I, I think I'll. that'll be my contribution. Okay, awesome. Cool, cool. Very good. Okay, before we start the wrap-up of this episode, I want to say one more thing. I'm excited to announce on this podcast, and actually I've already alluded to it in this conversation already, is that w- we have a Google Drive that is filled with papers of topic of... of topics that interest us, uh, stuff mostly Alex has written. I'm writing a few. They will be in the drive shortly. The topics include black holes. They, they, they include the the fundamental limits of mathematics and human knowledge itself. They include things like how machine learning might be used in warfare. Uh, also, how fake news spreads like a virus. You can read these papers right now, and they are not over-the-top Complex. They they are kind of like the conversation I'm having right now. They, you know, there's not too many equations. Well, in most of them, you know, some of them do deep dive into the mathematics. But look in the uh, description of this video, and you'll see a link to some of the papers. Um, let's let's just talk. I mean, there, there's a lot of papers right now, but I think for the sake of this video, let's only talk about a couple of them. Uh, the first paper that we have is is from Alex, and you alluded to it. It's algebraic topology and fiber bundle physics. Can you give us the Reader's Digest? A couple sentences on what that's about. I, I think yeah. effectively,
1: I, I did that. It's it's it builds a more general vector calculus. It's very step by step to to understand how we can how physicists can play create a new universe. That makes it sound maybe too simple, uh, but it is in a way very simple to make to think about other kinds of universes versus more down-to-earth things like the physics of turbulence so the physics of, you know, what's going on inside of stars with, with turbulent dynamics. There's a lot of things that are complex because their, they, a lot of complexity happens in them. But if you're thinking about designing universes, then that's the, you know, this is a very good way to do that. Very cool. Uh, so it, it, it's... Um, it, it, it's essentially what we were talking about, the, cool. the, the summary of the books.
0: Very good. Yeah, and then uh, there's also one that's not quite as math-heavy uh, that we are actually talking about very soon, maybe in our next episode. We shall see. There's one called The Doctrine Four and a Path to Warfare for Artificial Intelligence. Um, that one is, oh, it's a fabulous read. That's literally about how fake news is used by countries as, as, a, as a form of both defense and offense. It's fabulous.
1: So thinkers, when the airplane got invented and was used in World War I, people began to make doctrine for air power. And it took a long time, decades before their, their visions were actually realized. I mean, World War II, it took a lot of bombs to to, to, if, to have the effect they were looking for versus a, a single laser-guided weapon today. So it took a long time. But we should be thinking about doctrine. And, and, and I am I work for the Air Force, and I, and I'm hopefully— going to be developing didactic material for the air force at some point trying to make people wake up that we need doctrine between nation states for for these technologies that are coming
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and that's a fascinating one obviously that's in sci-fi all the time you know the terminator series we talk about skynet um, that, that, that's a huge thing. So obviously, science fiction authors have been thinking about that for a very long time. And I'm not not just talking about SkyNet, of course, but this is just, you know, in general, we, we need a doctrine for information, for machine learning. So that's a fabulous paper. Uh, the third paper that I'd like to talk about is uh, one of them called Mathematical and Physical Limits for Mortals and Immortals. I love the title of that. Um, so if you don't mind, so the, 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 the book is... Um, it, it's kind of about the, the death of mathematics, starting with Godel's incompleteness theorem. But, uh, and that's a big part of the book, Godel, Escher, Bach, that we talked about before. But um, I wanted to ask you about the title. It's The the Mathematical and Physical Limits for Mortals and Immortals. Why did you pick that title?
1: Because if you are an intelligent being and you are using symbolic logic of some kind, and it is sufficiently rich that it, it, is, it is sufficiently as complex as, say, the integers under the normal operations of addition, subtraction, mm-hmm. multiplication, etc. If it's it's at least that sophisticated, you already have Gödel's incompleteness. You have theorems that you that that may be true, may may, may not be true. And and let, let's back that up. The, the program was in the late ni- early nineteen hundreds. David Hilbert wanted to ask. Is there a way we can create mathematics so clearly with logic and symbols that we can create ma- mechanical means of proving a theorem? Your computer is the best example of that. You may be writing your, your, your favorite, your, your, the best scene of your life on, on your novel, and your computer freezes. And the is an object beha- operating on ones and zeros, arithmetically, purely logically, and you don't know how long you're going to have to wait. Might you have to wait infinity? Might you have to wait two minutes? That is the essence of the Godel incompleteness theorem. And there are many more other things. There's, uh, in the 1960s, it was shown that we can't even guarantee consistency. Say you're a ninth grader, and, and you're going to be stick around for a 1,000 years proving theorems. You might eventually get to two theorems that you've proved, and they're all logical, but yet themselves contradict. You can't even guarantee from consistency. That's, that's a bound for gods. That's a bound for mortals.
0: Got it. I like that. I like that. That's a powerful statement. Very powerful statement. The last one, and then we'll wrap this episode up as an intro episode. The last one I thought was really cool. This uh, last paper that will be in in the links for today's episode is a reflection on the PBS Space Time series on black holes. That is one of my favorite YouTube series of all time. Same with Alex. So yes. um, you watched every single episode of the PBS Space Time show that was on black holes. Is that right?
1: Correct, and, and he, the more you know, the, the better the show is. And I find it is a really good organizing tool. So I, I actually made a lot of notes to make a paper uh, to so that you could read a step-by-step notes uh, uh, and have references to his his podcast.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. It's kind of an accompaniment. So we're big fans of the show, so maybe someday he'll see. So,
1: so that episode ends with, with, with uh, conformal field theory uh, holography. There is a way... That you can have an interior, a four-dimensional interior, that has quantum physics and particle physics, and on the edge, the the, the boundary, which is four-dimensional, you have a, a theory of gravity. If you can just go one less, so from from you know three dimensions in the guts and in the body, and four-dimensional boundary, then we would have solved quantum physics and the unification with gravity. Uh, and so I thought that, that we're we're that close, but. It, it may not ever get there but but that that's what the episode series is about that I wrote the paper about
0: that's exciting I think about you know there are limits that we will never reach but we don't know what those limits are yeah. so that's a and there are a...
1: workarounds that's another discussion yeah. we can have
0: yeah that's cool that's cool alrighty so that's Probably enough for one episode. That's a that's quite a deep dive. I actually intended to keep inserting the pun. Wow, we went through, we went down a rabbit hole, didn't we? And then like stare at the camera like oh, <laughs> Just I won't do that. I promise yes. I won't do that. But but yeah, there's a lot of rabbit holes. So all those papers are available if you really want to you know dive deep uh, in in the um, Google Drive that is in the video descriptions or in the show notes. Uh, now I guess as we wrap up, we want to say that we really. Would love to hear from you. Um, If you have a question for either myself or for Alex or about the papers, send us a question in the comment section. Um, If you don't want to comment in that section, you can also send us a private email at touringrabbitholespodcast at gmail.com. And both Alex and myself will get them. And if it's a question for Alex and I get it, I will forward it to you and vice versa. Um, So we will be happy to to, um, answer your questions. Now, the best way to support the show right now. I'm hoping that you've enjoyed this show. And if you have, if you like the podcast, if you like the video, and if you subscribe to us right now, that is probably the best way to, to support. We also do have a Patreon account as well. If you go to patreon.com slash touringrabbitholes. Again, that's Patreon.com/slash/touringrabbitholes. We currently have a tier, a five-dollar tier, which I have called the Higgs Boson tier. We have a ten-dollar tier, and I'm forgetting what I did that one. Maybe incomplete or Event Horizon. I think I don't remember. I don't uh, there's a ten-dollar tier, and also there'll be higher tiers like a twenty-dollar and a thirty-dollar a month tier. That helps us a lot. What I actually, what we intend to do with our Patreon donations is we'd like to hire. Local creative people we want to hire people who can edit videos or learn to edit videos if they'd like to intern We'd like to do a paid internship. We'd like to hire people to make graphics in Any sort of graphical software at all. We'd like to hire people to work with marketing we love to get creative people involved with uh, science technology and engineering stem people for lack of a better word who want to make great content That's literally what we want to do so Uh, the Patreon is the best way I can think of uh, to do that. It'll help us to actually pay our interns. That would be really appreciated. So please consider becoming a patron or, again, if you like the show, please share it with your friends. We would greatly appreciate that. Any plugs or anything else you'd like to say at this time, Alex?
1: No, I just want to thank you because this is his idea and he has the background, so thank you.
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay, my background is from podcasting previously, so I just love these conversations and I love having them with Alex and I want to share them with the world. So hopefully that's, you know, a whole lot of enthusiasm. So without further ado, uh, by the way, look for bonus episodes. We're going to have bonus episodes that are our planning episodes where we're just, you know, chit chatting back and forth about crazy papers and maybe Alex has to clarify something for me. Those will be really cool. Those may be a Patreon only thing. Keep a lookout for those. So thank you very much. Thank you. Till next time. All right, and this is where I will pause this.